Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 29. My name is Gabe Estel, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? Bonjour. Excellent, excellent. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to be back. Um, Well, let's go ahead and get right into it. Um, We've got a a, a nice heart of the order tonight. It's for all you heads out there. Um, So we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, But yeah, I think think those of you... uh, those of you that like songs longer than eight minutes will enjoy what we're talking about tonight. <laughs> this this um, episode will be three hours long. Right. This episode, <laughs> yes. two sets. We're actually going to take a 15-minute intermission. <laughs> Leave the recording on. <laughs> It'll right. just be us away from our right. cameras and computers. Maybe, maybe we could put, like, some PA music in the background, you know, <laughs> right? But, um... <clears throat> My anyway. cat will DJ. So, but let's go ahead and jump right into the lead-off portion of the show. Um, I want to talk, uh, I was able to attend a concert a couple weeks ago and Jonathan way to get out of the house, dad. I know, I know. Actually it was, it was kind of a big deal. Like, um, we had a free room downtown that we had to use. Like we had like some Hyatt points. Oh, wow. So, you know, like we had to use it by the end of June. Right. So we ended up getting the, getting a room downtown as well. A babysitter came to the room while we were watching the show. It was, it was fun. Wow. Um, Yeah. So anyway, so it was kind of like a night out. Um, But uh, so I saw my morning jacket the third night of their three night run in Chicago at the Chicago theater. And um, this was actually they've been doing on this tour a lot of uh, multi-night stops, but it's usually only been two nights. I think Chicago might be the only market that got three shows. So so that's pretty cool. Um, They've always treated the city pretty well. And uh, over these three nights, they didn't repeat any songs. Um, yeah, I saw the set list. So, that was remarkable. Yeah, they were going pretty deep. Um, so uh, usually night to night, they repeat a handful of songs, you know, a handful of new ones, and then some uh, some staples as well. But yeah, these were, uh, which I liked, because they seemed to really, you know, um, be rewarding people who might have gone to multiple nights, or, or also just when they do a three night run like that, maybe that's going to be their approach. So I thought that was cool. And the show was really good. Yeah. Um, they did, um, the new song sounded good, but most of it was pretty distributed among, among all the records. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, they did, um, God, did you get Don Don steam engine, which I was glad to hear. No, they did Don Dante the night before. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, they did it when they were in Chicago. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm a big steam engine fan, so I like that. Um, and, uh, like I said, the new song sounded good. I like the new record. So, um, so yeah, big thumbs up for me, man. I mean, they, you know, they're at this point, they're a veteran band, you know, I mean, first, first album, first full length LP came out in what, like 99, I think the Tennessee fire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something like that. So, uh, yeah, and then, um, you know, just really kind of started getting buzz when It Still Moves came out about 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they're a veteran band now. They're they're in it to win it, man. Yeah, they're... yeah. The, the longevity has been uh, impressive. Uh, all original uh, member. All, yeah, all, yeah. Well, for well, the all... They added Bo later, right? Right. But, but yeah. Yeah, really a stable, consistent band, and yet evolving at the same time. Definitely. They, yeah, they seem like they're playing by their own rules, and... Uh doing something different every time out every album out at least so yeah yeah big thumbs up i don't really have much more to say other than yeah. it was it was a really solid show and just 
they grow every time I see them. You know? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them in Kansas City uh, right. uh, later this summer. Right. Yeah, yeah. I snuck out for uh, double. Uh, for me, it was a double bill because I was looking forward to seeing them both. But Courtney Barnett opening for Bell and Sebastian. It was Bell right. and Sebastian's first stop in Kansas City and uh, ever. And, oh, okay. Uh, so super stoked about that. It was at the Uptown, and then the idea that Courtney Barnett was opening was a uh, huge plus. As her new album is one of my favorites of the year, and uh, her, yeah, she came out and just you know rocked for forty minutes, minimal lighting in front of a closed curtain, you know that hit all the Bell and Sebastian's gear, and uh, you it was know. just her. Oh no, I'm sorry, it was her band. It was her, okay. her trio, uh, right. a, a three piece band, and. And uh, she sounded a little a little hoarse, but uh, I think maybe because she uh, played a morning show. Uh, they do these morning shows here sometimes with uh, where you can get in for free at a bar at you line up at like seven in the morning. Betsy oh, did it awesome. for Gogo Bordello a few years ago, That's and awesome. uh, and yeah, it's a it's a show. It's a full concert. It like you know starts at like eight in the morning. Um, wow yeah yeah uh so she did I that behind that yeah yeah, yeah. uh she did that and uh so you know maybe she was a little hoarse from that but she sounded good still and she's got guitar chops she doesn't play with a pick which is always kind of jarring uh when when a guitarist doesn't play with a pick right. and but really tight i mean at times you know it sounds uh it can sound a lot like nirvana uh at times but you know yeah. she's i feel like she's she's a bit of of a um a better lyricist uh, uh or a, a different type of lyricist i should i should say not a better mm-hmm. lyricist so uh but the bell and sebastian was uh pretty diverse you know their new stuff is kind of almost dancey and uh with their old you know dreamy pop stuff uh yeah we just kept going back and forth i felt the crowd could have got a little bit more into it but uh, we just kind of hung back. We didn't we didn't battle the crowd to get up front. We just hung back and enjoyed it from a distance uh, at the uptown there. So small place. It's uh, not hard to uh, get a view. Uh, but no, it was it was a lot of fun. And those uh, that band is like a bunch of cartoon characters. I tell you, it's uh, uh, you know from Glasgow, Scotland, and right. uh, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Cool, cool, good deal, good deal. Um, well, yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of live music um coming up this summer want to move on to baseball um you know not much has changed in the week since we broadcast last um you know the royals and cubs are still good the white Sox aren't so (laughs) so uh there's not much more i could i could offer on my team's performance other than they all kind of suck um but the hot stove starting to heat up you know, there's uh, there's a little over a month left to make trades. And, you know, now that the MLB draft has passed, that's kind of typically kind of when the midseason trade uh, trade rumors start heating up. And one of those rumors, um, it's generating, I don't, I don't know how much like kind of national attention it's get, but it's, it's generating a lot here in Chicago. Um, Chris Sale, our ace, um, and, you know, even if you're not a White Sox fan, it's, hard to argue that he's not one of the best pitchers in baseball right now um he uh he just had his seventh straight game with at least 10 strikeouts 
I saw. Did he reach a seventh? Okay, because I know yeah. he pitched yesterday, but we lost. Yeah, he, he still um, struck out. It was the first time since Randy Johnson did it. Yeah. 12 yeah. years ago or something. Yeah, he, he's lost like three of those games. Like, it's yeah. like, dude. Yeah. The dude strikes out like 13, 14 people and we still lose. Yeah. He, he so can, that tells he can go 10 and 13 this year and, and still yeah. get like tons of Cy Young votes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's kind of like uh, – sort of like going to have like the Felix Hernandez type numbers if he stays on the White Sox. Mm-hmm. But anyway, where, yeah, low ERA, you know, high strikeouts, below 500 win, win loss. Um, but anyway, he wasn't really in trade rumors until earlier this week. Everybody thought, well, the White Sox are probably going to deal Samarja um, because he's a free agent. Uh, the only thing is about Samarja I think his value's taken a hit because he hasn't pitched that well this season. Um, he hasn't pitched terribly. He had a good outing yesterday, I think, or the day before. Like, if you could visualize a trade partner, I, like I, I'm trying to think. I can't even think who would want, like, who would want to take on Samarja. Who could you see him going to? Well, I mean, it's not a big investment for a team no. because he's he's gone. You know, at the end of the year, he's a free agent. Um, I would assume he would be. He's almost on a good team now, put himself at the back of the rotation. You know? Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to survey the other teams to see who needs another starter. Royals. The Roy- Okay. All right. There you go. <laughs> I don't think they'd trade him in inner division, though. Yeah, that wouldn't. I wouldn't want to make the Royals any better. Um, I don't know, though. They. I mean, with the White, if the White Sox just are kind of like, this is a white flag thing, you know, like, yeah. who cares? We're not going to catch the Royals anyway. Well, of course, the Yankees are always an option. They, yeah, they need somebody. I could see that. Um, I just, I don't think he's going to really generate that much, you know. I, I don't yeah. think, we'll get decent prospects for him, but we won't get a team's, like, best prospects for him. Um, it'll yeah. be nothing like the Cubs got last year when they got Addison yeah. Russell. Right. Um, yeah, Jeez. yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you guys, you guys might've won that one, Levi. Um, but, um, anyway, the, uh, so yeah, the Chris sale rumors are, are heating up. And I kind of, when I first heard it, I was like, <gasps> because you know, he's, he's like, you know, they're like, what's the, the best pitcher we've had in 30 years, yeah. you know? Um, oh, yeah. you know, he's one of the best in baseball right now. He's he is a stud. But then I got to thinking about it, and if the deal was right, I would be I would be open to it. You know, um, I think a good general manager listens to all offers. You kind of have to. Um, and with the way, if you look at his delivery, we've talked about this on the podcast before. His delivery is so funky, like he's kind of like a Tommy John surgery waiting to happen. Um, so the logic is sell high when he's at his peak right now and um and get you know get a lot because he's on a very team-friendly contract so it's not like the trade partner has to yeah, take on a lot five years on, 32 million yeah right i mean we got it for a steal because you yeah. know he didn't have a big track record yet he'd only pitched like you know like a year and a half two years and so you know it was like such a team-friendly deal yeah and um so for a team it's a steal but I mean, I'm not letting go of that guy. Like, I want, like, if we're trading that guy, we're getting, like, a Chris Bryant type, you know. Or I think a, I would or do a, Javier or a, or a Or a Carlos Correa type, you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah, nah, I don't think either one of those guys are going to, anywhere. I mean, you have, to, you have to give me more than that. Well, no, yeah. I think I think the Cubs, if they tried to swing a deal somehow for sale, 
I could see him doing Baez and then like another rookie. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. think it would be like anybody big. It'd be perfect like, for the yeah. It'd be perfect for the Cubs too because the Cubs really in the off season aren't going to be able to afford to take on another big pitching contract after Lester. You know, yeah. like I mean, oh, yeah. they're not going to be able to carry like Lester and Johnny Cueto. You know what I mean? Like they're not yeah. not going to have like two twenty over twenty million dollar pitchers on the no. team. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, I'd hate to see him go, but. I, I don't know, man. You, you the, for the Cubs, it would obviously. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd want Russell, you know, or I'd, I'd. I mean, that's what I'd. I mean, like, I'm not giving him away for somebody that hasn't. Well, and I like. Of, yeah. I, I wonder if the Cubs, who uh, called up Kyle Schwarber this this past week, he uh, he played. I think it was eight games while we were interleague. He was our DH. Right. And and part of me thinks, yeah, it was like them giving him a shot, but I think it could have also been them kind of like showing him off at this level because yeah. he did do all right. I don't know if you guys saw his numbers. Um, yeah. No. Says he played a total of six games. I thought it was eight. Uh, six games, six runs, eight hits, uh, a triple, a home run, six RBIs. So he, he hit 364. His uh, OPS was 982, and he nice. almost almost slugged 600. <laughs> so very nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Uh, that's a that's a good little run, man. Um, I guess if he doesn't pan out at catcher too, you could always put him in left field if you needed. Yeah, to. that's what they're they're basically yeah. trying to do. Right. Do you remember Bryce Harper was a catcher? Yeah, he came up as a catcher. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he ever caught in the big leagues. I don't think he did either. Yeah, when we was in the minors, they converted him to an outfielder. Yeah. But, um, like, I want the next Bryce Harper if I'm giving up Chris Sale. <laughs> you know, that's what I want. Yeah, but yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be a guy that could be, but you wouldn't have heard of him. Like, he wouldn't be as de- – the guy that you would get wouldn't be as developed as Carlos Correa or Addison right. Russell. Right, he might not be ready to take the field. He would have been drafted in the last year or two. Right, yeah. right. So I'd have to look at, you know, kind of who's out there and who needs him. But – um. But really, he's he's really like the only thing we have to trade aside from Samarja. Um, Do you really like think he's going to go anywhere though? I mean, like if you had to bet a week's pay on it. I don't know. No, I think he would stay put. Yeah. yeah, because I think we're at a point where we're bad, but I don't know if yet we're abysmal. You know, like right. to where like the whole thing just has to blow up. Right. I'm right. not sure we've got that. Yeah, we're out of it this year, and I don't see us clawing our way back by any means. Um, but uh, are we still in automatic Ventura fire? He, he won't, if he, he might last to the end of the season, but he won't last past this season. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's just kind of a the cliche of if, or I'm sorry, not not if, but when. You know, for for so Ventura. if they don't, even if they finish like five games above 500 at the end of the year. Yeah, I think like if we like didn't make the playoffs and finished in third, they'd be like. Yeah. yeah, we've given the we've given this guy a shot, you know. Yeah. Gave him yeah. four years. How many years? Four years. This is his fourth. Yeah. So. So anyway, um, so yeah, uh, the Cubs. I don't really see the Cubs unless obviously they pull something off for sale. I don't really see them making like a big move at the trade deadline because it seems like the vibe I get around town just by listening to the radio and just kind of my assessment of the team is that. They know they're good, but they know they're not like World Series good yet. You know, like they're not going to yeah. catch the Cardinals. 
Um, yeah. I think I think Washington or St. Louis could pro- could beat them in the playoffs, like over seven games. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, or even the Dodgers. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think the main goal at this point is to stay above five hundred, and like the the you know the top of the mountain goal would be wild card. Yeah, right. Even you if you don't I mean? get the wild card and you finish above five hundred, it's like nobody's going to be too pissed off. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. yeah. Get yeah, some experience yeah, in the playoffs. Going, still loaded, you know, with talent, young talent, going into next season. Might be able to pull off a trade in the off season, you know, so a big trade. Um, so, yeah. So, I don't know if the Cubs will make a move or not. I guess in the – yeah, because who's at the back of your rotation? Is it Travis Wood still? Uh, no, he's in the bullpen. Um, uh, Wada. Who's been okay, right? He's, uh, he's like spotty. Yeah, he might not be the best best guy to go in like game seven of the playoffs uh, like or anything. The other, I don't know, it was probably a week or two ago. Madden said uh, he gets too, I don't know, too technical. He needs to just throw the ball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he, can, I think he sometimes like works works himself up or whatnot. Hmm. And then um, the other guy would be Kyle Hendricks. Oh, yeah. You guys have Kyle Hendricks now, right? Yeah. yeah. From the Phillies, right? He used to play for the Phillies. I believe right? so, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you get something that's really enticing and you don't have to give up, you know, the cream of the crop, um, which I don't think you should, you, you will do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, the Royals? Will the Royals make a move? Uh they they need a starter that's for sure yeah uh especially which, if they're going to go to the playoffs like they they definitely will be yeah players. yeah uh you know they had Danny Duffy made it back uh this week to make a start and he went almost not quite five innings against the Mariners uh and pitched well considering he only he was on a limited pitch count so but they need uh you know they they, they need him and uh 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 what's his name uh, Ventura, Yordano. Uh, uh, they they need Ventura to come back to his old self from last year. Uh, you know he's just getting off the DL right now, and so who knows what you're going to get with these guys? Are you guys uh, going to be in the hunt for Cole Hamels? You think, or is that like aiming too high? Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I don't think I don't think this is a franchise that brings in a Cole Hamels. Uh, right. You know, they it's just. It's that's too that's too much money for them. Yeah. Uh, so in the meantime, you know, you you hope that the offense can get sorted out a little bit and and uh, be a little bit more consistent. Uh, and, and you know, they did well against the Brewers, and then they lost two or three to the Red last place Red Sox here in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The Red Sox who haven't been that good of late, no. even. Uh, so it's not like they're finding their groove anytime soon. Uh, but uh, you know, then they uh, then they got two out of three against the Mariners in Seattle, so that's uh, moving in the right direction. So uh, it'll be interesting, you know, with the new new uh, rivalry with the A's. Uh, yeah. The the uh, the hot A's though they're still well below five hundred. Yeah, they uh, picked up the pace though. Yeah, 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 but they're they're making a move right now. Well, the American League is just aside from Kansas City, like. I don't think anyone thought it would shake out like it has. So it's, far. Yeah, it's nuts. The, I mean, the Rays, been, the Rays yeah. and the Astros are in first place. Yeah, the Rays. Yeah. Like other, other than Evan Longoria, I don't even know who plays for the Rays. 
Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. yeah. I know they got that one rookie. Well, Chris Archer, the starter. Their pitcher is good. Chris Archer, their pitcher is good. And then, but a lot of other guys are hurt. Like, Matt Moore's hurt, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, I guess I should say, I know a couple other pitchers from previous success. But yeah, that's nuts. It'll be interesting to see if they can sustain it. The Twins somehow are, are competitive. Right. Um, yeah, I know. And then Houston doesn't look like they're going away. You know, I mean. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So the AL is kind of screwy. Uh, Baltimore's like and like the teams that aren't good either. Like Seattle was expected to be huge. Yeah. So between I picked them to go to the win the World Series, you the, know, between yeah. the yeah. Red Sox and the Indians or the Spiders, excuse me, and the Mariners, all teams that a lot of people pick to win their divisions, they're combined. I, would, I, I picked Baltimore to win the East, and I, and I don't think I don't know if a lot of people picked that, but they Baltimore is expected to compete at least. Well, yeah. be, between these three teams, the Red Sox, uh, the Indians, and the Mariners, they're a combined twenty-two games under five hundred. Yeah, yeah, go figure. Nuts. So it'll be interesting to see if the unexpectedly good teams remain good, and the teams that were expected to do well can play better. Um, so we will keep our eyes on uh, the hot stove as we near the all-star break and then the trade deadline. Um, one other thing I want to talk about before we get to the heart of the order uh, is there was a piece on Gawker a couple days ago um, by Kelly uh, Kenoboy. Uh, I hopefully I didn't Conaboy? Know, I, I don't know. Conaboy. Conaboy. Yeah. That makes sense. Um uh, on Gawker, and it's kind of your typical kind of smug, snarky Gawker piece, just the tone of it. Um, and we say this as, as people who regularly visit Gawker. And I read, yeah, I yeah. read it. Yeah, yeah, I, it's, it's kind of a, I read it every day. But um, yeah, so I, I kind of know what to expect. But anyway, she's arguing um, that concerts should end at 11 p.m. Like it should just be kind of the universal time that they end. And it's a pretty short read. Um, you know, she doesn't really lay out a lot of supporting evidence other than, you know, just people got to work in the morning. And you know, <laughs> I think, I think and Kelly Conaboy is the pen name for everybody's mother. Thinking... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So briefly, I want to talk to you guys about this because um, I maybe it's just the old man in me, but I think she's kind of on to something here because a lot of shows that I go to, if you go to them during the week, most of the time they do end at 11. Bigger shows do. Yeah, yeah, they do. Because there's um, a curfew for underage. Right, just curfew. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've had those shows where I've gone on like a Sunday night and like the band, like I saw the War on Drugs a little over a year ago. And like they didn't take the stage until like 1030. Yep. You know? Yep. There's and, nothing um, worse than showing up at a, at a small place and you want to see the headliner and you see right. three tiny band names underneath the headliner. Right, right. You don't find out until you get there. Yeah, <laughs> that there are, yeah. yeah. You'll look. You'll look on the the web page of of the venue and it'll just say the headliner and then you get there and it says, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the two other bands that are playing. Right. So so yeah so I I. I I wasn't that offended by this piece because, you know, I, I, I think she's on to something. I, I could handle most shows getting over at 11 o'clock. Um, like, you know, kind of like start at 8, 8.30, maybe, maybe 8.30. Um, just because I feel like I'm showing up for shows a lot, like right when they start now. Um, 
and then and then just yeah get them over by 11 you could still fit like two set bands you know within that that time frame too yeah some of them yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I i think a lot of this has to do with you know are we talking about large venues we're talking about clubs right yeah uh, I, I feel a lot like of variables. I feel like Kelly is just like really itchy to check her Instagram feed or his. I guess Kelly could be a man. Uh, Instagram no, it's feed. A, I clicked on the picture. It's a woman. Oh, okay. Uh, and and she says, "Oh, and you know, because because you want to go out after the show <laughs> right. to go get another drink." And it's like, okay, you are living in, in like this different world, I guess. Where I just want to go home and go to bed after the show, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, because I'm tired of standing mostly. Right. Yeah, I uh, I gotta say I don't agree with it. A a I a that that puts some kind of structural limit on the artist, and I don't like that. Yeah, because, exactly. Because if I wanna, I'm gonna name drop one of my new artists. Uh, you ever heard of Kamasi Washington? Mm-mm. I don't think so. He's a jazz artist, and he just released an album called The Epic, and it's across three CDs. I forget how long it is. Write it down. But, like, if he played it live, he would need longer than 8.30 to 11. Yeah. But um, one of the best shows I've ever seen was Government Mule and Friends at Bonnaroo, and it was basically they started at midnight and went till dawn. But wouldn't you say but that was a, it, it was a festival, festival setting? setting. That's yeah, nuts. people are camping too on site. You know, that seems circumstances seem much different. But still, yeah. mid midnight to dawn is a long time, regardless. Yeah, right, right. Wow. I just I don't know the. What's yeah, I, yeah? Why why would you con- restrict it? Concerts are a young a young person's thing, man. And I'll admit that I'm getting older and I don't go to as many. But when I go, I'm fully aware that I'm going to be past 11 o'clock. I'm going to be there still. Right. But I I just, I kind of agree with maybe the Sunday night or the weeknight thing a little bit. You know what I mean? But like if it's a Friday or Saturday night, if they want to play till four in the morning, let them. Yeah. 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 And if, you know, if Kelly wants to go get drinks somewhere else, maybe she needs to realize that part of what brings these bands in to begin with is the idea that she buys drinks there. Right, and not right. somewhere else. Wouldn't have the show if a lot of the places didn't <laughs> serve booze. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I totally understand. I, don't get me wrong. I would love for you know to to be able to get home at a reasonable hour, but in, it's more the waiting for the band to come on than once they're on. I don't care how long they play. Really, I I never looked at my watch to right. see it's like well she, she doesn't sound real interested if she's looking at her watch you know maybe <laughs> go outside and check snapchat or something right <laughs> but um yeah you know it's uh she's she's she could be on to something there so anyway check out the pizza on gawker um now we're gonna go to the heart of the order for a band that certainly played some epic concerts and are known as as uh, one of one of uh, really rock and roll's premier live acts, um, and really kind of I don't know, sort of almost kind of reinvented um, the live concert to a certain degree with the format and everything like that. So we're talking about this is in honor of the Fair Thee Well shows that are coming up here in Chicago. This episode's for all you heads out there. 
So uh, we're this gonna... weekend in San Francisco. That's San Francisco too. This weekend, yeah, right. Where right. is it in San Francisco? Uh, it's actually, Levi Stadium. It's actually uh, yeah, which I think is actually in Santa Clara. It's it's I think it's like Santa right Clara, yeah. yeah, south. So, so yeah, they added those shows a little bit later. So I'll be curious to see the set list from those. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about <clears throat> kind of their place in 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 rock history their place in american music and uh i was going to talk about a little bit about um how they've been embraced by some younger bands now like even like your your non you know granola acts you know they've been been embraced by bands beyond the string cheese incident you know um and then uh a little bit about the different eras of the band so i thought levi and i could talk about a little bit about what we like about each each of those eras and then i didn't tell you guys about this but i'm gonna drop it now i've got four shoe selections okay these are like dicks picks only they're shoes wow selections. all right and i so i chose four shows one from what i think are each of the four eras of the band how i would classify them at least and um just kind of a little bit of a theme um, connecting them. So, yeah. So we're going to talk about all that. Um, so I was thinking in my head the other day, what, like, who is the greatest? And I know we're not, we're a podcast that tends to avoid superlatives. So, um, but when you think about like the greatest American bands of all time, because, uh, you know, a lot of my, my very favorite bands from the sixties and seventies are British. So of like the golden era of rock, so to speak, um, are they the most important American contributor, you know, from well, like the maybe like the years I, like 64 to like, let's say like 78 or 79, like kind of. So who would they be up against? They'd be up against the Allman Brothers. It was the Allman Brothers, um, the band, the band, I think. Yeah. Um, Dylan. Yeah. Or I guess you're saying a band, not necessarily. Yeah. A, yeah. We'll go. We'll go with the band. Artist. Yeah. Um, I don't think their tenure was very long, but I think the Doors deserve to be mentioned. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah very influential. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with the band, um, I, I, I'll, I'll put the band up for songwriting, you know. Um, but, and I, I love, yeah, I, I love the band. Um, I don't, like, their their window of good material was, wasn't that wide. You're you right, know? yeah. Um they even put out a couple lackluster albums when they still had Robertson in the band, you know, like, Oh, after the last waltz post yeah, last waltz. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they toured without Robertson. Oh, they, Oh, I'm sorry. You were saying, yeah, even with him, what, uh, like islands, right. I mean, that one's yeah. not that yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the post last waltz we- years too. I don't even know if you really count those no. because no, you don't. Yeah, they they were um, their popularity had taken a hit yeah. too. Just yeah. if you look at well, the and I think you could even extend the dead. You said to like seventy eight or nine. You could extend them into like the mid eighties. Well, yeah, and and that was you know I was just talking about the golden era there. But I mean they the were thing. they were around for like another decade after the mid eighties, but like yeah, it was right. kind yeah. of like yeah. the, the the output was iffy at that point. But like sixty five to eighty five, they're tough to beat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from a live perspective, too, I mean, I think 
when the uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about this when we talk about the '80s and the Dead. Um, they uh, they became really a, just the live juggernaut then, you know, like they they started yeah. playing stadiums. Um, they uh, they started diversifying the set list quite a bit more as well. You know, I mean, they changed their set list every night, but they weren't always taken from the same collection of songs like they were essentially in the '60s and '70s. I think. Yeah. Oh, really? You know. Yeah, I mean, they changed the set list every night, but, like, a lot of the shows Yeah, like the you would agree, in the 60s yeah, like, and 70s. They... Like, the 72 tour, it was like they were picking from, like, a, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 songs. Yeah, I mean, those are and all it seemed like sh- every night was... Just like, a rearrangement you know, of those yeah, songs. Those are, all good, those are all good songs, but the even though the, the set lists start to kind of look the same after after a while, so they, they seemed, uh, you know, they... And by the time the '80s rolled along, you know, they were like song catalog was just huge. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, like we've talked about the bands that need to be in that conversation, but um, if like somebody like held a gun to my head and said, "Vote," you know, now, like who is the greatest American band? Well, I would give them some consideration. I don't know if I'd pick them, but I would definitely give them. What some about Springsteen? I know yeah. it starts later yeah. than the Dead started. It does. But... It does. Um, I don't but, think Springsteen contributed so as much. Uh, the The Dead A created a whole scene. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I mean. Granted, Springsteen painted a picture of New Jersey, and it. There are people now who, if you say New Jersey, it, it conjures up images of like Springsteen lyrics and stuff. Yeah, but the Dead also helped create live sound as it is like they they were like one of the first bands that spent money on like buying nice pa equipment and and like making sure it was set up right and making sure that the people around them knew how to run it right and i mean granted it was all a big party but they were serious about their sound yeah and uh, they don't get a lot of credit where they probably should like i mean they helped they helped create businesses. You know what I mean? Like speaker companies like Altec Lansing and others would come to them with prototypes and stuff and hmm. be like, Hey, what do you think of these? And the, uh, I, I think their impact, <coughs> excuse me, their impact on, um, on rock, I think is greater than Springsteen, but I'm not, I, I can't say, I don't know. I would say they're the best American band of all time, but, and the best, the best is kind of a thorny. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. and it's like, it's, anyway. yeah, it's like whatever. I pin, some days, Aerosmith's my favorite. Absolutely, American band, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. ZZ Top. Van Halen's know? gonna get some of my votes. All ZZ right, Top, so. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, they, they have to, they have to be talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Gonna, well, also, gonna... I think maybe like what stemmed from, like, what was the outgrowth of their music to like a, a giant concert scene you know of people that followed them around the country and then the taping community as well you know they pretty much gave birth to that um you know uh the um in the 80s they kept maxell in business right right (laughs) right yeah um so i guess just kind of this traveling community that it all became uh, not a lot of other bands can really say that you know yeah um and then you know that might not um, that might not that doesn't really put them ahead of anybody musically, but as far as an influence and an impact, 
And it, culturally it, speaking, that culturally speaking, because yeah. everybody knew about you know the Deadheads following the dead, and right, you know, it was kind of a uh, an interesting thing for them to think about, even though they weren't interested in the music uh, that mm-hmm. you know that the general public would think about. Right, right, yeah, it conjures up an image, certainly. Um, and um, I was talking to Steph about this actually as well. Um, you know, because of like that image that it conjures up it's also been kind of marginalized, you know, like some people, like some people, like you mentioned the grateful dead to a handful of people and like they're automatically turned off just because they've got this idea oh, of yeah. just this, you know, this tie dyed thing, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, that's probably a little unfair to the band because, uh, I think the band, the band's audience is much hippier than the guys that are in the band, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, they hung out with bikers, you know, when they had Pigpen in the band, you know? I mean, it wasn't... I, I think um, the uh, yeah the audience is much more, you know, peacenick than anybody on stage was. Yeah. Yeah. So I just got a Bill Kreutzmann's biography. It just oh. came out. I got it as a Father's Day present. I got it in the mail today, signed. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to reading it tonight. He was always one of my favorite guys in the band. Right. I would always go through periods when I was really heavy into the dead where, you know, I would be into Bill for a while or I'd be into Bobby for a while or, you are you know, you're always into Jerry. But yeah, I really liked Keith as well. We'll talk about the keyboardist here in just a minute because – um, that's been the one non-constant in the band's history. Um, it's almost, if I were, if I were, uh, Bruce Hornsby, I'd be kind of nervous, you know? I mean, like they've had, they've had four keyboardists die. Yeah. Um, Jeez. you know, uh, Vince Welnick wasn't in the band. Well, neither was Godchow when he died, but, um, you know, Pigpen, um, Godchow, uh, Brent, and then, and then Vince, Vince, unfortunately Vince Welnick committed, uh, he committed suicide a couple of years ago, I think, didn't he? Yeah. It was a few years back, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and he had a, you know, a pretty documented history of substance abuse as well. Well, and he, he was in the tubes before, right. Before the dead. And yeah. I mean, the tubes were like a new wave band Yeah, that they toured and partied. Yeah. I always like that, even though they were an established band when they lost Pigpen. You know, that would have been like 72, 73. I mean, yeah. they'd already brought in Godchow in and P- yeah. P- brought Godchow in and Pigpen was becoming kind of unreliable at that point. Um, they always kind of chose an unknown, you know, like Godchow was certainly unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, Brent. Brent was totally unknown. And then, you know, Wellnick was in the tubes, which is kind of like a cult San Francisco band. But, you know, coming from kind of like the tubes are if anybody's not familiar with it, it was very Zappa-esque. Their, uh, oh, yeah. their original, their, their earlier stuff. So Vince comes from that. So yeah, I always dug the fact that they, they went with um, a, a, an unknown until, until they brought in Bruce Hornsby for a handful of shows. And you've hated them ever since. No, I haven't. No, I, haven't. <laughs> I just said, I don't like Bruce Hornsby's music. Um, and, and in the dead, like, cause I've been listening to a lot more nineties shows lately, just cause I, like yeah. when I was really into them in college, like I didn't listen to the, you know, you don't, I, you don't yeah, like, I wasn't you don't, you're not like, let's put in, you know, the 93 show first, you know, that's right? not, yeah. it's not really what you gravitate toward. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
So I always liked that they brought in a keyboardist that was unknown, and that person really made their mark. Um, so let's we'll move on to the eras of the band, and really you kind of break them down to um, you know the you got the the '65 to like '72 is the Pigpen era. And then you've got the God Chow eras, um, which I think, you know, we need to mention that as well. You know, there was there was uh, there was a female in the Grateful Dead for a number of years. And uh, she's kind of not, unfortunately, I think, even though the dead are huge uh, beyond deadheads. You mentioned the name Donna Jean God Chow and a lot a lot of just I think basic music fans wouldn't know who she was. Right. Um, Even people that like, you know, kind of dubbed themselves classic rock fans wouldn't know there are some probably people who call themselves deadheads who don't know <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah very very joplin-esque voice uh that she had um and she was certainly an important contributor a divisive one i you know i talked to a lot of people that you know are like oh you know she i could only handle her in limited doses um she was maybe overpowering at times but anyway so the god chow era is like 72 to 79 um, and then you got the Brent era for, for 10 years, 80, 79 to into 79, I think, to, to 1990 when he died. And then you've got the, you know, the the post Brent years where they had Wellnick and Hornsby or just Wellnick. Um, and those those aren't really, you know, some of their more memorable years. Um, so of those three of those eras I mentioned, Levi, I'll ask you, which one is do you have a favorite? Of, of those eras? You know, I think if you'd ask me back when I was 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. I think I would have always said every day of the week, the Keith and Donna era. Right. But as of lately, the Pigpen era has grown on me more and more. Um, yeah. I've, uh... Like those Mr. A... Charlies, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, well, I got a, uh... I got a record here called The Vintage Dead, and it was recorded live at the Avalon Ballroom in 1966. It came out on a label called Sunflower Records. I think this is from, like, 72, maybe? But um, they do a 18-minute uh, in the midnight hour on here. Nice. And, man, it, it's 1966, and I'll tell you, man, Jerry is, like, melting faces. Yeah. So, so there's a good uh, energy to those to yeah those early like that shows. that early era i think is if i had to choose now i think i would probably have i would pick that because i like Pigpen. some some people who who you know the there are people like you said that don't like donna jean there are people who don't like Pigpen. yeah you know what i mean a lot of i know people who just they couldn't get into the I don't know, get into the shtick of it. You know what it's I mean? The like the easiest period. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I think sometimes the the freeform the freeform kind of scat Jim Morrison yeah. stuff, I think that sometimes like would turn people more towards liking the other stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I always liked it when he would go off. He'd be like, "Hey, get your hands out of your pockets." Yeah, right. He'd be like, "I see you in the crowd. You just wanted to meet a girl tonight." <laughs> he's like, he's fun. Yeah. Um Speaking of Janis Joplin, it was he was one of her lovers. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, that's that's interesting for me. I, I have to say the God Chow era. 
because I think when I first started listening to them, like a lot of people do, I started listening to the Grateful Dead heavily my freshman year of college. I think a shitload of people can probably <laughs> say that, regardless of how old they are. Um, my my friend Luke, who lived a couple floors above me, you know, he had a bunch of Maxell XL2s. You know, he had hundreds of tapes, and you know, that's just kind of that got me into it. Um, and uh, and I also would. They, you know, also it also got me into some other bands as well. Um, and the Godshow era was the first, you know, those were like some of the first shows I heard that really, that really resonated with me. Um, and I would say that those are the ones like I, I gravitate towards, you know, if I'm in my car and I'm listening to them or, yeah. or something like well, that. And, and like, there's kind of like two Godshow eras because they they had that retirement. Oh right, for, yeah. For like yeah, a few did. years, that I don't think they played any shows in like '74 uh, and five, maybe. Or they played just like a that? handful in '75. Yeah, yeah, '75, or they just played like a handful of shows. I, I, may, I don't think they played any in '74. Then I, they pl- they did. No, they played some in '74. Did they? Okay, yeah, they did. Well, it was like almost a whole year they took off for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right there. Yeah, um, yeah. So there are kind of two eras of that. Um, Keith and Donna's I'd like to like to say a little bit of trivia. Keith and Donna's last show was on the day I was born. There you go. Wow. Two seventeen seventy nine Oakland. Wow. Do yeah. you have this show? Uh it's on archive. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't uh I, I used to have I used to have it on disc. I used to have yeah. like a yeah. CR of it. Um speaking of which if you for any of you who if you haven't discovered archive.org, and I know all of us have, but if the audience has it I mean, if you want your live Grateful Dead, there it is. Well, and you Pretty can much got about a, every show. An app on your phone called "Listen to the Dead," right? And it has, you know, pretty much everything. The same yeah. thing. Yeah. Isn't that, I mean, I've gone through. I've had I've books of you know burned CDs from right. that I accumulated while in college. Four yeah. four books, and and it's just you know I'll go through and I'll pick out what I want to keep and I'll rip them and then I'll just recycle the rest. It's, yeah. It's funny how. The tech, where the technology is brought us because it's like ah do i you know do i want to keep the show it's like well i can find it online anytime i want <laughs> right it's out there yeah so so the gotcha area would be my my favorite um some of their most famous shows you know the 77 tour are, are from that era um i think when i was younger it it, it i couldn't get into the brent era just yeah for me some, neither for me some either. reason i really couldn't but like as I've gotten older, I can appreciate some of the shows, and um, you can definitely tell there are nights that they were really happy to have him because he basically sings some of the songs when Jerry doesn't know the words or because right. oh, wow. they they had a similar voice. Like he would yeah. help do backup vocals with Jerry a lot. He was a really good presence in the band. Yeah, uh, as far as he was a glue energy. sort of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he always kept it together too, like despite the fact that fuck the guy died of a speedball overdose. You know, <laughs> there are some videos and uh, you know concert footage of him, man, where he looks. Oh, he looks haggard. He looks yeah. choked up. Yeah, yeah, he's like a skeleton with a beard. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, Levi, we <coughs> we park our Volkswagen buses in the same garage here um, because uh, I'm starting to appreciate the Brent era more. Um, I think my wife actually said, because we were talking like a while back ago, like 
what we didn't like about it was he kind of at times made it sound like carnival music a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that was, he was, he was a victim of the era of technology. Right. He was an you know 80s what I mean? It, yeah. It, anybody who's like keyboards in the eighties, your yeah. stuff sounds dated now. Right. Yep. Right. Um, but as I've like, I would say just with over the last year or so, um, I've been listening to more of the eighties and nineties, sh- mainly the eighties shows and gaining a, a new appreciation for them set list wise i think it's their best set list like just oh, yeah. because they were the, the collection of the pool of songs grew yeah just exponentially oh, yeah. when brent joined the band um so uh so yeah i i think set list wise those those shows are are much much more interesting than than uh their the previous couple eras and then the 90s stuff it was it was really getting hit or miss at that point you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. particularly the last couple tours gets now. I know you're not as into him as Levi and I are, but you know, you know, the distinctions between the eras of the band. Do you have a favorite era? I, you're right in that I'm, I'm not nearly as versed and I, we went, let's see, when you were out at Western Illinois, we went to a show it was it was a dead cover band that right we and saw. Yeah. uncle john's band I was think, it uncle yeah. john's band right. yeah it was it was in a forest of course it was in the woods <laughs> in a park there's, or something there's probably, like, there's probably like eight dead yeah. cover bands yeah. called uncle yeah, john's right. band and anyway. they're all playing in forest right yes now. Right. right now right. and so they played one really at one point they, they played a funky song it's like man this is uh you know i'm getting i'm i'm, I'm grooving on this pretty good and and uh, you had to tell me what it was, and uh, it was uh, it was Shakedown Street. So nice. uh, that yeah. uh, I, I guess you could say I'm part of the God Chow era as well. Uh, and uh, between that and then, actually, obscurely enough, I've I've been kind of attached to the Jerry Garcia band uh, stuff from the early yeah. '90s. JGB stuff's oh. good, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, between that and actually his stuff with David Grishman. Yeah, uh, I've listened to much more of that than anything. Cats Under the Stars. Yeah, no, wow. nice. it's a great record. Yeah, Gets, it's got uh, had... Ruben and Charisse on it. Oh yeah, um, Gets, you have that. You have you used to. I know. I don't know if you still do. You had you have that double disc Jerry Garcia yeah. band from yeah. like ninety or ninety one. Yeah. Yeah. something like that. that. Yeah. That's a great. That Tangled Up in Blue oh, yeah. on there is killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, that yeah that album kind of means a lot to me. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, a good yeah. one, man. Yeah, um, I had that. Uh, that was one of my. Uh, one of my 10 CDs for a quarter or whatever, Columbia. Was this? Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I, I, my great initial Grateful Dead CDs, like the first 30 that I had, mm-hmm. were all Columbia and BMG. Like, I did one for each of them. <laughs> like, I, like, I got one for each company. That way I just got, like, all these tons of CDs. And then, you know, you were like, I was like 14 or whatever. I was like, uh, Mom, now I need, like, 50 bucks to buy two more CDs. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's how that racket Locked worked. Me bad. All right. Uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, Shakedown. The Merle, the, uh, I got to Go mention the, uh, the Merle, the Jerry Garcia and Merle Saunders stuff. It's good, too. The, oh, I love it, man. The, those, uh, there's two or three records of them together. Right. No, I haven't heard it. I'll check it out. Yeah. They do, uh, they cover Stevie Wonder's I Was Made to Love Her. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Nice. I also think, you know, um, he's among deadheads obviously he's a god at this point but uh and he's been so active as a musician even after jerry's passing um like bob weir deserves to be mentioned like among 
like some of America's greatest rock musicians, I think. I really do. Just how much he sang in the band and and well, I would, how, I was how, good, I was, how, how, uh, yeah. how active I, musician he is. Yeah. I he agree. seems like a really cool dude, too. Anyway, the go ahead. The songwriter aspect, man. If yeah, any, he's a great if songwriter. Anything, he should be put into some kind of a songwriter's yeah. Hall of Fame or something because, I mean, I love all those songs that he wrote. You know what I mean? A lot of them are kind of like little mini epics. Oh, yeah. Let It Grow. Yeah. Cassidy. So, yeah. Yeah. Weather Report Suite. Um, so I, my point is, outside of the world of Deadheads, yeah. he's underrated. I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, among just your rock and roll fans, your classic rock fans, even. Yeah, he he de- he deserves his name should be up there with some of the mentioned among the greatest songwriters. Were I they think. in the inaugural Hall of Fame class? No, they got in in like the early 90s. Okay. Jerry I think they got was still in like 93, I think. Yeah, Jerry was still alive. Yeah, they got in like, yeah, like 92, 93, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I we got to mention while we're talking about eras, there was actually. There's always been um, Bill Kreutzman, the drummer. He was the original drummer. And then later on, they got Mickey Hart. Right. And then Mickey Hart's dad screwed the band over and stole a bunch of money. Right. And so they got mad at Mickey Hart and kicked him out of the band for a while. <laughs> and then brought him back. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Where you go, Mickey Hart's dad? Jeez. Frick. <laughs> Blame it on Mickey Hart's dad. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, yeah, different eras. And I think that. That, that all of that just adds to the lore, you know, um, that there are distinct eras that are that are much different, you know, one from the other. Um, so but, what are uh, the, the people that only listen to the greatest hits? What are they yeah. missing? It's a good question. Um, they're missing, I think. Hearing those songs, I think, how the band intended you to hear them. I think yeah. whether it's the songs on skeletons from the closet or um, songs that maybe the casual fan might not be that familiar with. Um, I, when, when let's say for this instance, you mentioned the who, even though they were great live, I don't think of the who live. You know what I mean? I think of like all the albums I love. Yeah. You mentioned the grateful dead. It's like, that's live band. You know, I just, yeah, I, right. I, right. I oh, picture yeah. them on stage. You know right. what I mean? I don't, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's funny to even like show a studio album is yeah. is uh, an odd thing when. And I think a lot of their studio work I think is better than people give it credit for. Yeah. I do. I, I think. Well, and yeah. Terrapin's well recorded too. I think. I um, think they kind of were, uh, you know, victims of going what they were going up against. You know what I mean? Right. The, they were in an era when it, everybody's was putting out great records. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like. The, the, if you go and look at a top 40 from like 1967 or 68, it's like, wow, there was a lot of really good music out. Yeah. And they still had their own their own hits, ultimately culminating in Touch of Grey, right? Right, yeah. yeah I Touch think that Grey was the biggest, was, for sure. Uh, Touch of Grey was kind of, it was odd, just kind of how that took off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, MTV helped, you know, it had right. a, it had Betsy's a, a big fan of the video. Betsy talks video about the video a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah the video is really Skeletons, fun. Skeletons, yeah. Um, and uh, and and that's the point, you know. I think that was like eighty-seven. Touch of Grey came out eighty-eight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I believe. You were yeah, eighty-seven. Um, they, I mean, that only added to their popularity at that point. Like they could they could fill a stadium. 
You know, yeah. <laughs> like they didn't have any trouble filling Soldier Field. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, multiple nights at some of yeah, those places. Right. Did they ever like, play Arrowhead? Yes, I assume they probably did. I couldn't say for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so you asked me, you know, what I think those those fans are missing. How um. How I think the band probably wanted those songs to sound, uh, but also just. I know this sounds like oozing with hippiedom. You know, they're they're mentioning they're they're missing the music really taking you out there, you know? Um, and also I think to be a live music fan to a band that is not afraid to stretch out its music, you know, it requires a certain patience maybe that casual fans might not have. Yeah. 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 It's not like the casual fan that like knows truck and it's gonna be like space. Yes. Right. You know, <laughs> here's 10 minutes of them noodling, you know? Right? Oh no. Yeah. I mean, the, the Grateful Dead, and like, I can, I can only. Sometimes I skip space on shows, right? I mean, the Grateful Dead are are an accessible band, but if you really want to get to the heart and be and be a diehard Grateful Dead fan, you're going to meet a lot of people along the way that are going to, you know, um, I don't know, you know what I mean? There's a lot of serious Deadheads out there. Oh yeah. You know, it's they're, a little they're, too serious. The, the guy at the show that has the cardboard sign that says like 1148 days since the last San Francisco Dark Star. Right. It's like that guy's serious. Now, there's there's some major geekdom among among the uh, the audience. Um, yeah. I feel like I bumped into a lot of people in college that or like just people at shows who kind of had like a little bit of tunnel vision, you know, like they they didn't really step outside of the jam band kind of. And I'm not saying like, hey, I'm better than them because I really like the replacements a lot, you know. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that. It's it's um, definitely one of those scenes that if you get into it, it can it can swallow you. Yeah, yeah. It's you like, know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it was a way for kids to totally escape what was going on around them. Sure. And it was like all they got into was that scene and that jam band scene and and right. following bands and selling garlic grilled cheeses. Right. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then making arguments that like you know the disco biscuits are really important and things oh, like right? that but yeah. anyway <laughs> um, so, so with all due respect i'm sure the disco biscuits are really and nice acoustic kooka yeah yeah <laughs> right no hey i saw acoustic kooka multiple times so i've uh i've got my i've got my like late 90s early aughts jam band wounds you know uh-huh. um, so anyway and, and it's, not to, it's not to say those bands are like awful they're not it's just you know what i mean i just i don't listen to them anymore not except for like a handful of them. Um, but anyway, so I, um, I wanted to just mention four shows, uh, that, that I've just kind of found over the last few weeks. We'll call them shoes selections, if you will. And we'll post these, uh, the links to them. They're all on archive.org. So, um, you can you can find them there, but we'll we'll post the links. And we can also find the uh, uh, Arrowhead 1978 show on archive.org. So there is they, they played they, Arrowhead. They did play Arrowhead. Cool. Okay. Well, that's wow. Okay, 78. Nice. Like well, just I, them? Like as just like a headliner? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Huh. That totally reminds me that when you were said stadium again, um, it may be the only time I use the words cool and Bush Stadium at the same time, but. Um, <laughs> At Bush Stadium, the Cardinals this year, uh, it's, I think, within the next month or so. Or Actually, it could be in September now that I think about it. 
they're doing a Grateful Dead night where right. you get this limited edition Grateful Dead shirt and it's got the steal your face with the Cardinals logo. And on the back is all the concert dates of the shows they played in the St. Louis area. Yeah, they did the Fox yeah. Theater yeah. Uh, multiple times. I was curious as if it would have. I, I I think they played Carbondale, didn't they? They did. Yeah, yeah. They, they um, you know, the college thing. I mean, they they played a lot of college towns. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, that was if you, I think if you probably look at tour itineraries, their their college town um, stops might be more frequent than yeah. than other bands. I could be wrong, but um, yeah, they played of the Illinois schools. They played Champaign, Carbondale, and they played ISU. And yeah. they played. I think they played Decalb as well. They never played Western, or they never played. They never played Springfield or Peoria, um, that I've found at least. So. Yeah. Apparently, I, I, yeah. this uh, this Arrowhead show is taped by Robert Wagner. I didn't realize he was a fan. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, but anyway, these shoe. I want to share four shoe selections with you. Um, and I talked about a, a, a theme that tied them together. I didn't realize this until I looked at it later. These are all kind of smaller market shows, you know. Okay. Uh, the Dead, obviously, you know, a lot of epic shows, uh, famous shows in San Francisco, a lot of famous shows um, in New York. You know, in the 80s, they were always playing Madison Square Garden. Um, but um, these shows are all uh, smaller, uh, smaller markets. So I've got one here. Uh, the first one I like a lot is twelve twenty eight sixty nine, and that's in Hollywood, Florida. Nice, uh, really good uh, Pigpen era show. You know, um, sixty nine. They just played Altamont, I think. Uh, you know, a couple weeks before, so um, they were kind of recovering from that, I guess. And it's just a really good energy. The hard to handle on it rips. Um, the uh, the cold rain and snow is like like really upbeat you know um they kind of picked up the tempo of it a little bit yeah um so yeah i really like that one a lot um nice yeah there's a really good recording of it on archive too which i'll provide the link so yeah hollywood florida 12 28 69 that's kind of my pig pen era selection um and then moving on to the donna and keith era this is kind of a sentimental choice i've got um normal illinois Four twenty four seventy eight. I mean, how how could I not pick the Central Illinois show? But right. um, th- th- aside from sentimental value, um, the Donna sounds really really good on this show. She sounds. It's. I think it's. I haven't heard all of her shows, but it's it's one of her best vocal performances. I think she just really blends in really well. Um. So so yeah, normal four twenty four seventy eight is yes. great. And that's uh, the, and yeah. that's one of the things I've noticed with some of the Donna sh- and Keith shows, like in in on some nights she was mixed really well, and then yeah. on other nights it's like her vocals are louder than Jerry. Oh Weird. yeah, some of those playing in the bands, it's just like it's just she just yeah. takes over the whole. She's thing. Yo- she yokos. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, 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 she's got a couple of yoko moments. I, I'm only slightly familiar yet. If you say playing in the band, I can hear it immediately. What you're it's talking about? Awesome. Yeah. 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 So four twenty four seventy eight from the Godshow era. Moving on to the eighties, um, this is uh, Augusta, Maine. So okay. small, definitely a small market yeah. there. Um, Ten twelve eighty four. Just a really good Brent show, you know. Um, I like the set list a lot of this one. 
Um, really good recording, too, on archive. So, yeah, 10-12-84 from Augusta, Maine. And then for the 90s, um, the one I found that stood out to me, I think this is just Vince. I don't think Hornsby's on it. Um, it's uh, 325-93, and that's in Chapel Hill. So it's at um, the Dean Smith Center there on campus. So, um, you know, near the end of... Uh, of um of the jerry of 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 the band really yeah Yeah. um so but yeah and and like i said the good shows within those last probably three or four tours well and can be be in you know few and far between so what was that one you mentioned the other day to me uh the one with clarence clemens oh yeah yeah um 91 i I don't remember but it's it's in either the late 80s or early 90s um, and yeah, they've got a show where Clarence Clemens sets in for pretty much half the show. So, uh, so all you the, East the, Street fans the, out there, the check the that out. The Branford Marsalis yeah. show is excellent. I yeah, have it on. yeah, yeah. He he came out a few times with them. He did. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, so yeah, I liked when they brought in you know a jazzy <laughs> uh, a jazz musician uh, sax as well. Um, they did a lot of cool stuff with guests. You know, they did those shows with the Blues Brothers, you know, back oh, yeah. in the late seventies. Yeah. So yeah. Um really cool. And um they uh you know, they typically had some good openers too, you know. Crows open for them, one show, ninety five. Really? April seventh, ninety five, yeah. yeah. Last last spring tour. Right. Yeah. And would that have been Amorica? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Just that oh. one stop. Just it was in Tampa. Huh. Yeah, at the, at the magical night in Tampa at the Buccaneers Stadium. Yeah, the Dead Show from that night isn't that great, um, but the the Crow Show is the Crow Cellist is solid. Hmm. Um, didn't come out and play with them, you know. They nothing, no collaboration on. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, those are my um, those are my picks. Nice. Um, one from each era, so the shoe selections. Okay, so check them out. Um, None of them are really famous shows, but they're uh, they're and all so kind of nice nuggets of, in the catalog. None of us are going. Is that correct? I'm going. Oh, I wasn't sure if you got tickets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just Steph got an email Monday said they've been shipped. We haven't. They haven't. So that's we should probably talk about that a little bit as well. Um, just the anticipation of it. Um, I'm surprised. I guess this just reinforces the idea that if you attach a label to something, people gravitate towards it. I've said gravitate way too many times tonight. Um, <laughs> Head noted. Uh, yes. Um, need to get the thesaurus out. Um, with how active all four band members, particularly Phil, uh, have been over you know the last 10 years or 20 years you know, now since Jerry died, yeah. I'm surprised the demand has been this high for yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, you know, they with the demand for these, they they could have you know, they could they could have played a week at Soldier Field if not more, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the thing that helped put it over the top was the tray. I think that but, helped. I also think just calling it the Grateful Dead helped too. I think yeah. if this like they would have gone by the other ones or the Dead, right? Cuz they toured like about oh, I don't know seven or eight years ago as the dead. Oh, so, so they they're one, actually one, going under the great. Uh, yeah. I yeah. thought they were just the first time they've gone the under the, the moniker since, um, 
since they played Soldier Field. Since they played Soldier Field yeah. 20 years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, because they played as the dead when they played with Warren Haynes a few yeah. years ago. Right. Um, so, yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, as someone who likes... I think I think like the fish conversation is for another another podcast. But um, as someone who appreciates Trey, I wasn't like offended by the choice. And I think it's I think it's he, he's never he's played with the members of them, but not really that extensively. So I think if they would have gone with Warren Haynes or they would have gone with Jimmy Herring or Steve Kimock or somebody like that, it would have just been, in my opinion, too safe of a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, wouldn't, so... it wouldn't interest me as much. It really wouldn't. Over under one fish song. What do you, no, what are you taking? Play it, you'll no. you'll say under? No fish songs. Yeah, no, All right. Play that. No. No way. All right. Um so yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, um, it's it's so it's it's three nights. Three nights, yeah, I'm going to all three nights. Yeah, the third, fourth, and fifth of July. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be a big deal. Yeah. I I would assume like celebrities are going to this and things you know i'm sure i'm sure at least phil jackson will be there will the stanley cup appear yeah right i don't know i I can see it it's there (laughs) yeah i could see it too i could see like clint bill coming out like some ugly like blackhawks tie dye yeah like (laughs) quinville and bill walton come out together yeah, right. I could I could see Quinville and Walton hanging out, <laughs> and maybe throw throw Phil in there too, man. Phil Jackson, Quinville, and Walton. Phil Jackson will definitely be there, and so will Bill Walton. Yeah, I don't know about Joe Quinville, but we'll uh-huh. see. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so I'm I'm excited. And did they allow camping? No, mm-hmm. they didn't give in, huh? No. What? Where, where would they have camped? Like in the parking lots, people were oh, like, "Oh, okay." Can we like? Can, they were trying to get it to where people could camp, camp yeah, on site. Right. They were gonna do like that. an old Grateful Dead show, basically. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, the, the hotels like downtown are just gone. Well, yeah. Um, that and you know, there's you combine it with you know, just kind of general Chicago. I was gonna say it's not. Yeah. I'm sure it's not the only thing going on. It's yeah, right. There. Conferences. Whatever. Yeah, over the fourth. It's Boy. the fourth of July. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but uh, it's going to be a party, definitely. I oh, mean, yeah. it's three days down at the lake. You know, it's should be fun, and it's I'll be a shit show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I will certainly report um, what I remember um, for, for for our listeners when uh, when I when I get we back. Want, we want lots of voice memos, just <laughs> drunken stupor voice memos. Uh, um. <laughs> We'll see, yeah. Um, so, see what, like you know, I'm trying to think if there's any song. Maybe when Phil sings, that'll be time to go take a take a leak or something. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, just a box of rain, just a box of pee. All right. So anyway, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I like this. Um, Phil's Phil's voice will will test a fan's patience. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so let's go ahead then and. Um, move on to our recommendations um for uh for for um music i I obviously i already i kind of get a bonus because i recommended four four shows um four bootlegs for everybody we'll we'll let you recommend another that's it that's all you get right (laughs) um so i'll just get mine out of the way here because i don't have a ton to say about it um this is the first time i've ever 
probably recommended um this is this is actually a, a, a label that specializes in kind of like chill electronic music it's called claremont 56 and the reason i bring it up is because i think it would be the type of electronic music that like a lot of people like me who wouldn't think of liking that would you know it's something that i just kind of like discovered i put it on when i started studying or when i'm at work and i'm going to be at the computer for a long time um and it just Chill. it's really what? it's really soothing and it's some of it's kind of a little more up tempo but it's like really oh, yeah. work music um yeah. and i i checked out some of the artists that are on the label um because there's a there's a compilation called like five years of claremont 56 mm-hmm. i think it's 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 a european i think they're i think they're british i think it's a british label um but yeah i checked out some of the other um acts on it and i really dig their stuff too it's kind of in the same vein you know it's just really kind of chill stuff that you can put yeah. on um, oh, yeah i have a couple albums like that yeah. uh one is by a band called Zero Seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other one is by a band I'm sure you heard of called Air. Yeah, yeah right. right. Well, these, just to, to mention a couple of the artists that are on the label that I think about, there's um, there's a, a guy, I think he is Swedish. His name is um, uh, Piers Thomas. Okay. And he's, he's pretty good. Um, and then there's um, a group called Mud, M-U-D-D. And they've actually combined some a little bit of guitar work in it as well and i i think they're scandinavian as well mm-hmm. everybody on it is is european um and right. it's just it's just really soothing um music you know like it's when i say soothing i don't mean it's like something you fall asleep to either you know it's yeah it's got enough of a tempo to keep yeah. to keep you going but at the same time it's not you know it's not yeah. it's not like the crazy club yeah. you know tech- it's a productive soothing yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's like I could get my teeth clean to this kind of yeah, music. Yeah, absolutely. Or <laughs> you, you can, you know, you just you can you can sit down and oh, yeah. it's, it's check an email music. I don't right, know. Right. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> um, but it's, um, I've I've dug everybody that's on the label. So check out some of those artists too. Yeah. Claremont Fifty Six. Anybody cool. on that label, I think is pretty good. Cool. Very cool. cool. Um. Tonight, my uh, recommendation is a, I got a 45 just today at the store, and it's a uh, promo copy. It's got the mono version on one side and the stereo on the other, so it's a radio promo copy. And it's uh, Wilson Pickett doing Fire and Water by Free. Huh. And nice. I'd, I'd never heard this. I had oh, no yeah. idea he had covered this song. It's from 1971. It's on Atlantic Records, and it's excellent. It's a it's a great version of it, hmm. and uh, I, I I've always liked Wilson Pickett. And so when I saw it, I saw Fire and Water, and then underneath it, I saw Fraser Rogers, and I'm like, really? I was like, I, it just blew me away because I had never heard that he had covered that song. Yeah. Cool. That is a killer. That's one so, of my favorite opening songs of any album. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I highly recommend it. I'm sure it's probably on YouTube. I don't. I, I did. I haven't checked. Cool. Nice. But yeah. Cool. Wilson Pickett, Fire and Water. Hell yeah. All right. Probably might not be on iTunes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll try to find it for the for the website. Um, mine is a uh, recent release uh, in the last uh, uh, couple weeks. Uh, Patrick Watson, Love Songs for Robots. 
Hmm. And, uh, you know, I listened to it once and, and I was like, okay, that's enough to save in my audio queue. Uh, and then I just kept going back to it. And it's kind of, uh, it, a single song can sway from like Grantley Buffalo to Jeff Buckley to David Bowie, just in a single okay. song. And uh, kind of Anthony and the Johnsons at times, Arcade Fire at times, a little bit, just real subtly, not not the bombastic. And where's where's this cat from? Uh, I have no idea. Okay, um, uh, but it's uh, Secret City Records, and uh, I think he's he might be Canadian, okay. um, because there's a Canada logo. Because you know Canada is always proud of their musicians, and they they um, uh, help uh, fund their their music. Uh, uh, they're musicians in Canada, and so whenever they do, they That's put a cool. logo on the back that says, you know, like product of Canada. Nice. Um, yeah, and so yeah, Patrick Watson, love songs for robots. Cool. cool. I'll check that out. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, you can check us out. Uh, excuse me, on our website, rockchew.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at um, uh, rock at rock in. That's in as in, um, gosh, uh, I really need one here. New order. Uh, yeah, that's in as a new order, <laughs> definitely. Um, Blue Monday. Right. So rock in as in new order, chew. Um, you can check us out on Instagram there uh, and Twitter. Also check us out on Facebook as well. Like our page. Please tell all of your friends to like our page. Um, and we will see you soon. So, again, that's rockchew.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. See Have a good night.